The following audio is from the Grove Church Marysville campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning. I'm glad you're here. If I haven't had the chance to meet you yet, my name is Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here at the Grove Church, and I get the honor today to finish up our two-week series uh, about hide and seek. I almost said finding Bigfoot because there's a show about Bigfoot, but it's not really about Bigfoot. Anyways, series is not about Bigfoot people. So um, anyways, it's about community and the value of community. Uh, I love what Pastor Nick brought last week with the tension about being created for community. You and I are created for community. Uh, and so today I get to take the spin and the approach of talking, what does the Bible actually tell us about community and, and how does that play out and what's the value for you and I today? Uh, and so I'm excited to do that. It's always an honor to be up here and to, to share God's word with, with all of you. So uh, I love it. As I was listening to last week, I kind of had these flashbacks nostalgically from hide and seek events and moments in my life. Uh, where I actually kind of am on board with the idea of doing like a, an adult version of hide and seek by turning out all the lights here at the church. Um, so we might put that together because I think the more momentum we get, the more, actually, more possibility of it, it actually happening is. Uh, so get ready, pay, pay attention. Who knows? Maybe New Year's Eve. Some of you will be here doing that. Who knows? I don't know. Um, I don't know if I will. But um, as I was listening to this, I was thinking about a, uh, a season of my life when I was a teenager. I was like, I think 15, 16 years old. Uh, we played a game uh, in my student ministry that in essence went like this. You uh, turned out all the lights in the church except one, one room that became the jail. And the purpose was for everyone to find a flashlight. That was the base. That was the place where you were safe. And there was a select few individuals whose whole purpose was to prevent you from doing that. In other words, they would find you, they would grab you and take you to jail, which was the room that was lit up, the only room in all the building. There was no windows in that room. And if there was, we had to black them out. Uh, and I remember one day we were playing this game and my cousin was a part of the youth group that I was in. And we decided that for whoever decided, I, I didn't get part of the chosen ones where I got to arrest people. I actually had to go find the flashlight, which I feel like was more difficult than actually finding people. Uh, and so he got to find people and I had to go look for the flashlight. And in my lobby, in the building of the lobby, had, it was just a long like rectangle. And along the sides of the auditorium were two long hallways with classrooms on either side. And so as I'm running around my church, I come around the, in the lobby and I look down the hallway because you got to kind of be sneaky like, you got to be sneaky, sneaky. And so I like, come around the hallway, and I see my cousin down at the end of the hallway drop into the shadows. So the street lights were lighting up part of the hallway through the windows, but there was this, just this, like, darkness down the hallway except for a strip. And I saw his little head, his cute little head, drop into the shadows. And I had one of two choices in that moment. The first choice, go a different way. Just walk away. Aaron, just walk away. Choice I should have listened to. Second choice, take off in a full sprint, and if he comes by me, just blow through him. I played football this season of my life, and not so much anymore. I'm still good, though. And I decided in that moment, the brilliant choice would be to run full sprint down this hallway. So I was running down this hallway, and I was playing football. They train you. This is not like me intentionally doing this. This is the training that I was a part of. Just clarifying that, disclaimer, whatever you want to call it. So I, he can't. Anyways. They teach you when you get ready for contact, you lower your shoulder and explode through. I remember that. That was one of the things I remember. You explode through. And so if you can envision this for a minute, I'm in a dead sprint, and I feel him coming. Like, I feel him getting ready to jump up and tag me. So I'm like, if you're going to tag me, you're going to feel it. Drop my shoulder and explode through. And it's like a movie, no joke. I heard a thud, a groan, and I saw a foot. That's it. <laughs> I heard a thud from him hitting the wall. 
I heard a groan from the impact that he felt. The only audible thing he could say is, ugh. And then just like a movie, his foot fell into the light. Like he just got knocked out and you just see like the results of your carnage. So being the nice cousin that I was, I decided to ask if he's okay because that's the right thing to do. Craig, you okay? Oh, man. I'll take myself to prison. And I walked away. (laughs) Just left him there. I totally was not the good Samaritan in that moment. Uh, But I I figured this, it ties into today's message about biblical community because I believe that if we choose to be devoted to biblical community today, that God's going to blow open your life. No, I'm just kidding. It doesn't really fit. I just thought of a funny story and figured I'd get some laughs about how stupid I was as a 16, 17-year-old kid, maybe 15. We'll say 15 because like the younger you are, like there's more grace, isn't there? So I was like 10 years old when I did this. Um. But truthfully, I, I really love the tension that Nick brought up with this hide-and-seek idea. That we all desire community, we all desire relationships, but if we're going to be honest for a minute, we would rather hide than seek. Because it's hard. In the world we live in, it's even more difficult. And I believe the Bible falls in line with this idea that we are created for community, therefore we should seek biblical community. Uh, and so I thought it would be great to, to address this conversation of what does it actually look like uh, coming out of the book of Acts, where the... Jesus had just passed away or just died. He just rose again on the third day and he hung out with about 500 people just saying hi to him, encouraging them, uh, my paraphrase, if you will, and then finished up and then ascended to heaven. He sat down at God's right hand saying, hey, my work is completed. God's people have an opportunity to be restored and redeemed in relationship. Now it's time for them to go do. And, And this picks up in Acts chapter two, where Jesus told them to be about the Great Commission, to go make disciples. This is about them gathering together. And the heading for this in my Bible says this, the believers form a community. I figure what better place to launch this idea from than the very beginning where God's people, when they form the church, form community. And so I want to read a few verses. I want to share a few thoughts. uh, And I want to challenge us today to be responding to God's word. It says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. It says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. It says, A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many signs and wonders, many miraculous signs and wonders, sorry, and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day and in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals, their meals, with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Let's pray today and then we'll share some thoughts. God, thank you today for your word. God, thank you for the opportunity to be here and to be challenged by your word. And so Lord, I pray today you would help us to be honest. I pray you would help us to be, God, even sensitive to what you would speak to each of our hearts because God, you know our situations. You know our hearts, you know the context we all wrestle with. So Lord, I pray today that you would help us to hear what you would say because you're trustworthy. So Lord, I pray that you would be with us. And God, even as I think about 
the idea of reaching people and God, what you've called us to do as an organization. God, I, I pray for Grove Snohomish today. Lord, as they are continuing to build bridges and to do everything short of sin to reach people who don't know Jesus. And Lord, I pray you would be with Pastor Andrew and Amanda and his team. Lord, as they are, God, working diligently and working hard to create an environment where people know they can matter and belong because of you, Jesus. And so Lord, I pray for favor in the community. God, I pray for bridges to be built and I pray for people to say yes to you and faithfully follow you for the rest of their lives. So God, be with them today. And I pray again that you would just keep our hearts about your kingdom. And Lord, that we would be diligent to find how our role plays in your mission to reach the world you've called us to reach in Snohomish County, in our workplaces, in our families, in our communities. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The thing I love about this passage is it's a very beautiful picture of what community should look like. And if we'll be honest for a minute, we can look at this back. Yeah, that's what it looked like, but that's not what it looks like. And I really want to be intentional because I think it's important to stop for a moment and just realize, man, God, when we, when we trust you, things are incredible. They're beautiful. This is a picture that the vibe and the energy is just amazing. I read some of these passages, some of these verses and, and some of these words, and I'm just like, man, I want community like that. I think it's fun. I think it's life-giving. I think it's exciting. And to be honest with you, it's something that I want to be a part of. I look forward to being a part of a community like the Bible talks about. But I also know the human factor plays into my own life. And sometimes I don't engage. I don't devote myself like I should in order for God to bring this type of community into my life. And so today I want to offer a few thoughts and offer a few challenges for us in the room. Because I believe in order for us to grow as God has called us to grow as followers of Jesus, it requires us to be engaged in biblical community. And so I think it starts with great clarity in verse 42. It says this, that all the believers devoted themselves. I want you to look at your neighbor and say devoted. Look at your other neighbor and say I'm more devoted. <laughs> Competition already, I'm competitive. It says this, the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing meals, and to prayer. The picture here is they gathered together in community, the apostles who were the disciples, but now they're called apostles because they're actually meant to go forth into the, into the world and make disciples. They're no longer followers of Jesus. They're not representation of Jesus. It's this ambassador type role. So the, the follower, the, the disciples are now apostles. So they're teaching and training and raising up individuals to know the message of Jesus, to know about God's kingdom, to trust that Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises in all of the Bible because Jesus is called that. And the, the tension is the, the, the followers in this group, they're literally listening to the apostles' teaching. They chose to be devoted to what they're being told. They chose. I'm going to devote myself to the apostles' teaching. What you tell me about Jesus, I'm committing and devoting myself to. That's, that's what they're devoting themselves to. It doesn't stop there. It says they devoted themselves to fellowship. Now, the interesting thing here is it's not just about being devoted to a Bible teaching. It's about relationship. And sometimes we come into community and we come into groups or we come into life groups or we come into different moments of community and we say, I don't really care about relationship. Just tell me what I need to know so I can go figure it out. That's me. <laughs> I just want to know what I need to know. I don't want to waste my time with people. Sometimes I wrestle with that. That's the introvert in me sometimes. It's like, can you just tell me what I need? Anyways, but the, the tension here is like devoting ourselves to community means we also need to be committed to relationship. God, help me grow. Help me trust that the people I'm surrounding myself with have the best in mind for me. They devoted themselves to fellowship. They didn't just stop there, sharing meals. How many of you know that relationships and friendships are just better around really good food? 
I have some of my best friends that I'll go meet with. They live in Spokane. So we like do FaceTime meals. No, I'm just kidding. Um, although that should totally be a thing now. Ryan, can we just start like FaceTime eating? Like, just kidding. There is a YouTube, anyways, I won't go there. But the things, they, they were devoted to sharing meals. They were devoted to creating an environment that is conducive for great relationship. They shared their meals together. It wasn't like Lady and the Tramp style where they both sucked on the same noodle, the dogs, Lady and the Tramp. But they shared their meals together, okay? So it was awesome. And the final thing that they devoted themselves to is prayer. Now, I don't want to glance over this. I don't want to just kind of like, yeah, we all know prayer, so let's just get bombed. Like, no, 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 no. They devoted themselves to prayer. And this is where I get really convicted. Because even as a pastor, my prayer life is not the most prioritized part of my life. I wake up early and I read my Bible pretty consistently. always have my coffee. But I read my Bible, but there's times that I don't prioritize prayer. But they devote, as I read this, it's like they devoted themselves to prayer. I heard someone explain prayer to this way, that just like oxygen is to the lungs, prayer is to the unbeliever. As a follower of Christ, like it's not just our responsibility, but it's our privilege to have conversation daily with God. They devoted time to prayer. These are incredibly important for community to happen. And I believe that as we make a decision to be devoted to this version of biblical community, that it paves the way for faith to be increased in our lives. It paves the way for generosity to be increased in our lives. It paves the way for intimacy, relationship intimacy. I'm not talking about husband and wife. I think that's a different word called passion. And I love what Less and Less defines that as. But I'm talking about emotional intimacy. I'm talking about relational vulnerability. Depth of relationship to me is intimacy. So I believe it fosters and paves the path when we commit to to this biblical picture that it paves a path for intimacy, but I also believe it paves a path for growth. And I want to take a few moments and kind of break down this passage a little bit further and highlight these four things because I think today if we choose to be committed and devoted to biblical community, we will begin to see these areas and these places in our lives grow and thrive. So the first one is faith. And in verse 43, it says this, that a deep sense of awe came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. The believer's faith was increased by being together. Have you ever faced a very difficult situation and felt alone and your faith in the midst of that situation was not very big? Why? Because in those situations, we feel really overwhelmed. There's moments, and and some of my former youth leaders can attest to this, when we would do a camp, I would get really stressed out because I would get so caught up in the weeds of what has to get done that I'd lose sight of what God's doing. And so it requires, and it would, would require them to remind me, and we would do this through different meetings, and I would ask them what God's doing, what God is doing, but it would remind me, God, you're up to something. And it would deepen my faith. It would increase my faith. God, I want to believe you for a job because I have someone in my life that is struggling for a job. Lord, I want to believe you that you're going to eradicate the cancer word because I hate cancer and I don't have enough faith on my own to see it eradicated. I want to believe you for the impossible to be done. And when we surround ourselves with people in biblical community, what happens? Our faith is increased. We begin to believe God for things. We begin to see God work and move and do things that we could never imagine have happened unless we were together. There's been moments that we've had different life group leaders celebrate the different things that they were standing in the gap for, for their leaders or for their members, for their life group people, their crews, their squads, their anyways. And I would always be amazed at what God does because people rally around an idea or an issue 
and pray that God would break through. Marriage is being restored. Family relationships being reconciled. Jobs being provided. Financial breakthrough happening. Lives being exposed. There's so many things in our lives that we need to surround ourselves, not just with community, but with prayer. And I need people in my life that have great faith because I don't always have the greatest faith. And the beauty of community is it increases our faith. The second thing that happens when we devote ourselves to biblical community is generosity. And I want to be clear for a minute because I think sometimes we hear this word generosity. It's like, oh, here's the money, here's the money talk. I'll be honest with you. I don't have any issue talking about money in church because I believe the Bible talks about it. I think Jesus communicates very, very clearly about the concept of money. And it's never about give, 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 so I can get, 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 get. It's giving out of obedience because God gave everything. It's a natural response for me to give. So when I devote myself to biblical community, there's a picture, and we see this in verse 45 to 44, or 44 to 45. It says, all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Now, what I'm advocating for is in my group this year that we're going to be taking uh, an opportunity to sell everything. And I'm just kidding. It's not, it's not that at all. Totally. Some of you are just like, no, I'm not going to do that. Okay. We're not going to try and sell everything. The conversation here is the individuals in, in this community understood there was need for people. People had needs. I don't know if you know this. People have needs. You have needs. I have needs. It's normal. But the people in this community are like, man, there's needs that have, and I have more than I need. So what they would do is they would take some things that they could sell and, and get money so they could help each other in need because their understanding was it's not about me. I love the picture of this. There's a pastor that I love and respect. His name's Rob Ketterling. He makes a statement about being a steward. He's like, when I buy a brand new truck, he's like, it's not my truck. My name's on it. My money's paying for it, but it's not mine because at the end of the day, the money's not even mine. The Bible says very clearly that God is the one who provides everyone to, to, the ability to, to create wealth. He says, I'm a steward of what God has given me. It's a kingdom truck. He's like, so if there's someone, a youth ministry or department that needs my truck, he's loaned his truck out to haul trailers to camps. He's, he literally looks at it in this respect. What God has given me is mine to be given at his disposal. I'm a steward of what he's given me. The money I have, the resources I have, the time I have, all of it is, is, a, is, is something to be stewarded. And I want to be clear, again, it's not only money, but it plays into money sometimes. And here's a couple examples. The first is this. About three years ago, it's 2018, so about three and a half years ago, I was driving my Xterra. I have a 2000 Nissan Xterra with like 202,000 miles on it. It's a little beat up because it got backed into by someone on staff who I won't mention. They're not in the service. <laughs> totally just threw him under the bus, Ryan. He doesn't even know. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I lost my train of thought. I have, so anyways, I have this Xterra. I was hauling a trailer for camp because we would do winter camps when I was in youth uh, just a few, whatever ago. And the crazy thing is I was driving home from camp one day and all of a sudden like my heat gauge went in. And since I blew a head gasket. So like, well, there goes that and I have to buy a new car. And part of me was like, shucks, I have to buy a new car. Yes. But I was standing in the lobby and one of the gentlemen that I have a relationship with, he's like, Aaron, you can't do any more damage to it. Why not just rip it apart and see how bad it is? I was like, because I don't know how to put it back together. I can take anything apart, but putting it back together, that's a different conversation. <laughs> he looked at me and said, I'll help you. I'm like, okay, time out. You're going to help me put my car back together if I rip it apart. He's like, yeah. I said, okay, great. I go over the next day, rip my engine apart. 
because my dad taught me how to do oil changes and things like that. So I was mechanically inclined. So I ripped my engine apart and figured it out. It actually wasn't as bad as it could have been. So all I had to do was buy a replacement head and because it, it was a little, anyways, long story short, he helped me put it back together. He gave up hours of his weekend to help me put my engine back together. Fast forward a couple months, maybe. Got my engine running, there's no issues, and all of a sudden my transmission starts to go out. Sweet. Love you. It's funny how we blame God for things. Anyways. So the transmission rebuild was gonna cost like, I don't know, 2600 bucks or something like that. And I'm like, I'm like, babe, we gotta figure this out. Like, I can, I can, because it was only like first and second gear, so I could make it work. Like it would suck, but I could I could do it. I've been doing it last week. And she's like, I'm like, you gotta figure it out. So I had a couple in my life group. They told me one day, he's like, listen, we've, we've got enough money set aside that if you need us to loan that money to you, we would do that. And we would replace and help you replace or rebuild your transmission. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to ask for that because I'm prideful. My wife is not prideful. She's humble enough. Like, yes, they're taking that because <laughs> she's the better half. And so the, the, the couple in my life who loaned us the money, we ended up paying it back in, in good time and things like that. But it just, it's, it's a big weight. The beauty of being devoted to, to biblical community is it forces and causes us to find opportunities to be generous. I'm not talking just about money. I'm talking about time. I'm talking about resources. You have gifts and abilities that other people in your circle of life need. God has called us to be committed and devoted to each other so he can provide for the means that we need. Again, this isn't a plea for you to to buy me a car or whatever like that. I love my Xterra and I'm not looking forward to giving it up. So all that to say, like, God is faithful. 202,000 miles, I think, still runs without issue. Because God is faithful. So we can trust him because he's faithful. Intimacy. I believe when we're devoted to community, it creates opportunities for deeper relationship and intimacy. It says this in verse 46. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all, all the people. This is an incredible picture. An incredible picture. We're not going to go to church every day. Culturally, it's just not normal. Back in their day, that's what they did. Every day they were at the temple. They weren't there for hours on end. They were there to do a morning sacrifice and go through the rituals. But they would do that together and they would share in the Lord's Supper. They'd share a meal together and they celebrated that. They cherished the opportunity to grow together. They cherished the opportunity to deepen their walks in relationship with each other. The joy and the purpose that happens in biblical community when we're devoted to it is deep relationships. Can I be honestly transparent with you for a minute? I hate vulnerability. It's a swear word in my opinion. No, I'm just kidding. It's not. But I don't like it that much. Why do people got to know everything about me? Can we just like keep everyone at a distance? But the deepest longing of our lives is to be known to know even in the deepest parts of being known that we belong. God has created community. In our context, we call them life groups for that purpose. So you can know in the deepest part of who you are, you belong. Jesus modeled it. Jesus told us to do it. The first church modeled this and showed us how to do it. But it requires a commitment and a devotion on each one of our parts. I didn't say this last service. I'm going to say it now because I'm thinking of it in it's applicable. And when I first stepped foot into my life group six plus years ago, I was totally resistant. I'm a pastor on staff. It's required that we be involved in life groups. And it's not a, it's not a bad requirement. It's actually a really good one because I believe in life groups now. 
But back then I was like, Psh, I have to do this for my job. <sighs> Fine. And I show up at the room like, hey, good to see you guys. I'm so excited to be here. Although I'm putting on a face. And through the last six years, really through that first year, God ripped me to shreds in the best sense of that phrase. It was hard. It was, I was insecure at moments. I felt vulnerable in other moments. I hid behind the pastor card. I was like, well, I don't want to take over a group, so I'm not going to speak much. No, I was just insecure. I didn't want people to know me. I didn't want people to know I struggled with my faith. I didn't want people to know that I, I wasn't a good prayer. I, I didn't want people to know that I struggled to stay consistent in my Bible reading. I didn't want people to know that I wasn't a good husband. I didn't want people to know these weaknesses in my life. But the beauty of community, the beauty of, of biblically-centered community is that we're known and there's grace. Can I be honest with you? Whether you're a good husband or not, God knows. Whether you're a good wife or not, God knows. Whether you're a good parent or a good teacher or a good employee or a bad employee, God knows. And there's grace for you. And there's value on your life. And my hope for you today is that even in this moment, you would feel challenged to lean in. This statement really rocked me. Frequency directly impacts intimacy. That the, the disciples were devoted to this. And in our, in our day and age, we can, we can talk about our schedules. We can talk about our priorities. We can talk about all these values. But I just want to make this one simple statement. I'm not trying to create pressure. I want to be very clear here. I'm not a pressure-oriented person. I actually crumble under pressure when someone puts pressure on me. I'm like, get away from me. And I like, get defensive. But I'm trying to create tension. Because when there's tension created in my life, it's actually healthy. It helps me wrestle through the, the, the things that really matter. But we can make excuses for why we can't engage. But the, rea- the, the real conversation is, do we value community enough to prioritize it? We can talk about it. I've said it for years. Leading up to six years ago, stepping into my group. Oh, yeah, I value community. No, I don't. I'm only doing it because I have to. But I can tell you six years later, I love it like crazy. I was, I was bummed. I, I'm bummed when our life group struggles in seasons just by nature of schedules. Because it's like, man, I just want to be with my people. I want to be with my friends. The truth is this, that you prioritize what's valuable to you. And as followers of Jesus, we should prioritize community. There's no other way to say it. And I hope that you feel that tension, but no pressure. I'm going to give you some steps later that I think you should take. But again, there's no pressure. I just want us to be obedient to what Jesus tells us. The last thing I believe is this, there's growth that happens. And I think there's growth internally. I think there's growth personally. I also think there's growth numerically because that's part of what God does. We see it in, in verse 37. It says this, or no, 47, sorry. I just lost my place. There it is. It says all, uh, it says in each day, each day, the Lord added to their number, to their fellowship, those who were being saved. There's something about community that's meant to be an outreach-minded thing. And I want to change our dynamic and perspective just for a moment because I really believe this, that growth happens in us personally when we stay devoted to community. Why? Because it causes us to be uncomfortable. At times, it causes that right tension. At times, it causes us to invest. At other times, it just really, at the, at the end of the day, it challenges you and I to be discerning and obedient to what Jesus tells us. Are we willing to listen and are we willing to say yes? That's the goal. But it also happens because as I was reading, there was a statement made about groups and about community and the, the goal of community should not be 
inward focus. It should be outward minded. And what I mean by that is how do we continue to reveal and show Christ in everything we do? Because he's the answer for the world, not me. And it says this, that the greatest apologetic to the world for Christ is Christians being devoted to loving others as Christ loved others. And in the context of a group, in the context of life, this is what it looks like. When we are devoted and committed to doing life with one another, when we're committed in love and we're committed in unity, we actually become the most beautiful picture of belonging that can ever exist. And if we're all going to be honest, the world's looking for that. The world is looking for a place to belong. Look at the different communities that pop up. Why is social media such a big deal? Because everyone wants some place to belong. And in the most connected we've ever been, in the most lonely we've ever been, something has to change. I don't agree with that. Christians just need to engage because we are representatives of the hope and the light of the world. The Bible calls us lights. The greatest apologetic is when God's people stay devoted to biblical community and they love each other and love others as God has loved them. My challenge to you today is are you willing to admit that and sell out to it? Because I'm going to be honest with you. There's nothing greater than being on mission when reaching the people God's called us to reach. There's nothing greater. And biblical community is a part of that that helps us be who we need to be. See, I believe this. Everyone longs to belong, but rarely do we devote ourselves to community. The greatest longing of our lives is to belong somewhere, but rarely do we devote ourselves to community. I have this really cheesy example, but it's called wax fruit. I used to see this a lot in my grandparents' house. I never really saw it in my, my parents' house. But the, the crazy thing about wax fruit is that it has the appearance of something it's not. You will get no sustenance and no nutritional value from eating this. Anybody hungry? But how often do we live like this? How often when we realize the value and, and, the, and the substance that happens is in the context of biblical community, is in the context of what the Bible tells us, and we're just like, yeah, I'm good with my superficial relationships where I keep people at a distance. Yeah, I'm good with kind of telling everybody that I don't, nah, we're good. We, we play the game. We show up to life group, maybe. We show up to Grove Men, maybe, Grove Women. Yeah, I'm good. See, I'm, I'm good. But the re- reality is we're not. It doesn't take long for someone taking a bite of this. Oh, one fell off last time. Whatever. It doesn't take long for someone to take a bite of that and realize it doesn't provide any value. It's actually not satisfying. If anybody eats this, some of you would because I'm challenging, but realistically, no one's going to be like, hey, I'm hungry. Let's have some fake grapes. Like, come on. No one's going to do that, but we do that all the time relationally. We show up and hold back when we know there's something we need to ask help for. We know we need, there's something that God's challenging us in. We, and dare I say this, that when we reject devotion to community, we become like wax fruit. God's not calling us to be wax fruit. It doesn't satisfy. What God wants the world to know is it's satisfying. Wax fruit doesn't satisfy. I'm sorry. It's fun to maybe play with, as my daughter would say, but I don't like. The only reason why I want it is for this illustration. So here's my question. What's your next step today? I have several different things I wrote down because I believe as we talk about these things, there's always a next step. There's always something to do with what you just heard. And I believe this. There's some of us in this room that have not connected in groups. And there's, again, there's no pressure to this, but there's tension. 
Take a step. What's your next step? Maybe it's a Grove Men. Maybe you're worried about a small group environment where there's a small group of people, but maybe it's a Grove Men or a Grove Women. Gentlemen, Grove Men is happening Tuesday night at 7. You're going to hear about it more in a minute. The food is ridiculous. I hear there's ribs this week. I hear there's chicken this week, I think. But I know there's ribs because I love ribs. Gentlemen, take a step. Ladies, Grove Women's coming back in October or November. A few of you are excited about that. The rest of you should be excited about that. I hear the food's going to be better than Grove Men. So I might show up for that. Just kidding. I might have Curtis save me a plate. But make, take a step. Maybe today you're like, man, I really need to get plugged into a group. I wasn't going to. I wasn't sure about it. But maybe you need to. There's a life group area in the hub where the old kid check used to be. There's an iPad there for you to get signed up and be a part of groups because God uses biblical community to transform, to grow, and to increase what he has for our lives. Do it. Plug in, please. Maybe you're in a group already, but you haven't been as devoted to the conversation of community as you should be. Maybe it's time for you to make it a priority. Prioritize your values. Maybe you're getting ready to lead a group today. This next week, October 7th, we launch our groups that week. Maybe you're getting ready to lead one. And maybe you would say, man, I've not done my due diligence to be devoted to this. Then maybe you should. Maybe there's more you could do. And I'm not, I'm not putting pressure. I'm saying be discerning with what Jesus is saying to you and then be obedient. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God is waiting for individuals to say yes, not add qualifiers. So maybe you need to, maybe you need to, to, step, maybe you need to step that up a little bit. Again, no pressure. Maybe you're here today. There's always a need for groups. There's always a need for more seats. So maybe you're here today and you say, man, I, I think I might need to lead a group. Some of you don't like that because you like your group and you don't want to change. Or some of you are like, well, am I really capable or qualified to lead? It's our job to help you. It's not my job to lead the group for you. But maybe, maybe you need to, to step up and lead. Maybe you need to find myself or Jen at the life group area later or come talk to me right after service and ask, what do I need to do to, to apply to be a life group leader? We have an application process. It's an incredible way. But some of you, I think, Jesus may be tugging on your heart saying, I need to lead a group. Be obedient to that. Say yes today. I believe this, that when we make a decision to, stay, to get devoted and to be devoted to biblical community, the world as we know it will be radically transformed because the light we get to shine together. And light shining together is far greater than light shining on its own. If we would have flipped all the lights on in that church years and years and years ago, I would have found the light a lot easier because it's everywhere. But looking for one little flash, I made it really difficult. But that was part of the game. All of that to say, what's your next step today? I want to pray for you, and then we'll dismiss. So God, thank you today for your word, Lord. Even in a very practical and very challenging message like this, Lord, I'm convicted. I'm challenged. So Lord, I pray that you would help me to be discerning, to be wise about what you're telling me and asking me and leading me to do. And Lord, I pray you would give us all courage of obedience to say yes. Lord, whatever it takes, we trust in you and we trust that you have our best in mind. So Lord, we give you control. We give you the platform today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Marysville Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.